talking sports with a passion only Philly fans can comprehend. It's the Brotherly Love Podcast. Philadelphia fans, boo. We do it better than anybody else, I'd like to think. And I wear it like a badge of honor. How can we judge a guy? How can we honestly assess his quarterback play when he's just given some of the most terrible weapons the NFL has ever seen? Here are your hosts. This is one of the more disappointing outcomes for a Philadelphia sports team in the last decade. And John Mita. But Ben Simmons, my God, learn how to shoot. It is the Brotherly Love Podcast on Anchor.fm, all your podcast platforms. It's going to be a spicy edition with the one and only John Mita. I am Joe O'Donnell. I think this is episode 185, big man. It's been a couple of weeks. We did get to hang out a bit over the Christmas holiday and uh, sort of into January. Happy New Year, everyone out there, all the BL podcast supporters. Johnny Mita, what's up? Hey, buddy. How you doing? How you feeling? I'm feeling pretty good. Start of a new year. We got to uh, throw 2020 in the garbage, so uh, see you later. And uh, let's hope that this year is happy and healthy for all of our supporters out there. Let's also hope that... All of our sports teams that have been struggling over the last year of 2020 can uh, find a way to get it together and move forward. And let's get back to bringing some championships back to the city of brotherly love, Joe. Amen. Amen, brother. Um, You are extra excited about this podcast. It's not often that before a podcast you're texting me like, I mean, you're excited always. We know that. (laughs) But you seem to be really geeked up for this one. Why? Well, I mean, I'm pretty excited because there's a lot of moving parts going on. You got the fact that the 76ers own the best league or the best record in the NBA at a 7-1 mark. Uh, They play Brooklyn tonight, so that's amazing. They look great. You also have the fact that there are some incremental, not, not great changes, but there are some incremental changes going on within the Eagles organization that I'm looking forward to, and the Eagles have landed the number six pick in the NFL draft. So something to get excited about. <laughs> draft guru Johnny Mita, always in works, always in works. Um, plus, we got a little talk about the Flyers. Her season starts in uh, less than a week. And we're going to do a little on the fly and also give you a quick Super Bowl prediction. All right, Johnny Mita, let's dive right into it. Uh, let's start with those 10-9-8-76ers. You mentioned the 7-1 start. Um, you lead us off. What has impressed you the most so far about the Sixers under Doc Rivers? Um, I think the biggest thing is you got to love offensively what they're doing. The floor spacing has been monumental. It's been great. Um, You know, their plan, essentially, they have an identity, right? It's feed Joel and beat the ball. Let him go to work. If he gets double teamed, he can finally kick out to somebody that can make a three-pointer. Danny Green shooting the ball well. Uh, The free agent signing Seth Curry. He had 26 points or something like that last night. He was on fire. It's just – it's amazing that the difference with this coaching staff, right, they didn't have a lot of training camp. They didn't have a huge preseason to get together, to gel. But right now, it's amazing how quick uh, this team is coming together. Uh, The biggest – another thing that's a bright spot for this team – it's just Tobias Harris, right? So the opener he comes out kind of has a bit of a bummer, right? When and everybody's all over him. All <laughs> over him, as usual, as we will, as we do in Philadelphia. He is the whipping boy. He is the whipping boy. Of course. Well, I mean, and for good reason. You know, when you're making a max contract at $185 million, you're going to get the pressure. You're going to feel that. 
what has he done and stepped up since then? I mean, he has played with an absolute edge to his game. He's not really settling for shots. He's going to the basket more. He's he's very decisive with his decision-making. He's knocking down shots. He's playing much better on the defensive end. He's averaging over 20 points in like his last six games. So that is a huge bright spot. I also love the fact that the most, I think, maybe one of the most underrated free agent signings of the NBA year has to be Dwight Howard. What he's done, what he brings defensively when Joel Embiid can't go out, if you have to load manage Joel Embiid, if he needs to take a night off and he's back-to-backs, he's been great as well. Just the veteran presence of guys like Danny Green, uh, Seth Curry, Dwight Howard, it's made a huge difference. You also have to love the fact of the emergence of the rookie, Tyrese Maxey. He's played unbelievable. Uh, a blessing in disguise is the services of Furkan Korkmaz going on the injured no, list. Oh, your guy, your guy. Korky going on the injured list just to free up some time for Maxi. Uh, one thing that's kind of a little concerning is the fact that Matisse Thibel can't really find the floor right now as much. He's still a great defensive player, but still trying to find his way on the offense uh, offensive end. But all in all, man, this team looks good. Obviously, the Sixers and the schedule makers, they really haven't played a lot of great, substantial teams. Their schedule's going to get harder. I wish that they were able to play the Brooklyn Nets at full strength. Unfortunately, Kevin Durant has had to sit out the the next four games. He's already sat one out because he came in close contact with a person with coronavirus. So it stinks we're not going to see the Sixers against KD tonight. He's one of my favorite players in the NBA. I would have loved to have seen that matchup. Um, They're going to be playing the Denver Nuggets. So they have some tough tests ahead. It's going to be interesting when this team – and we'll see when they they hit some adversity during the season. If they lose a couple games in a row, how will this team bounce back? But overall, I think the coaching staff has made a tremendous difference. And you know what I love also seeing is the fact that we don't have to see the dribble handoff offense anymore. My God, we put that one in the Baxter in 2020, and it is gone. So all in all – Pretty stoked up about the Sixers. I'm sure everyone is. Um, If I do have a cause of concern, it's when we get to playoff time, when we get down the stretch, are we going to have that killer guard on our roster? And there's been so much speculation with, would you trade Ben Simmons uh, for James Harden? At first, I was like, hell yeah, let's do it. Then I kind of took a step back. I was like, nah, let's not do it. But I just, when it comes down the stretch, is this team going to have somebody that's going to be willing to take the last shot? Everyone also says... Well, and, cre- and create their own shot. Well, and create right? their I own. Mean, that's, and that's yeah. the biggest thing. If you have that guard that can do that, that's yep. me. Another big surprise is Shake Milton coming on the bench. He's really going to have a strong year as, as a sixth man, and he, he's earned. Um, people were pretty enthusiastic about him in training camp, and it's been showing to have that... That, that point punch, that somebody you can rely on to get your 15 points a night, night in, night out, um, uh, you know, off the bench. So all, yeah. all in all, I'm pretty fired up. But uh, what have you seen, if you've seen well, what's been impressing you so far during the season? I think you hit on a lot of it, but I, I will go back to your point about the early chemistry, the, the gelling of the team, given the fact that so much was limited. Uh, off the hop of one preseason game or whatever. So, yeah, I think that's been huge. I like I like seeing the energy from this team. You know, it just I, I feel like it starts with the bench, meaning the veterans like a Dwight Howard 
He seems to be up and down that bench when he's not in the lineup. He's animated. He's into it. Good teammate. Uh, guys are yeah. shooting. Guy, exactly. Guys are shooting, which is way different than what his MO was in Orlando Correct. or how he was por- portrayed in Orlando. So uh, amazing how, if that was all true, a leopard can change his, uh, his spots or whatever that saying is. But Doc Rivers is animated. I just see a lot of good things uh, from a chemistry, ball movement. And I know you've seen it. After practices, after games, these guys are putting in extra work. It's Dwight Howard leading four or five guys in 100 extra shots at 11 p.m. in an empty gym. That is something that will go a long way to improving this basketball team. I like what I've seen. You mentioned the depth scoring. Uh, I think we thought we were going to get that last year from this team. It didn't happen. This year's team can score in bunches, and they have that depth scoring to keep them afloat when maybe somebody ha- is having an off night, or if you're not getting 20 from Harris every night, you got other guys to come in and fill the basket. So they've been fun to watch, man. They're putting up points, 75 points and a half, 82 points and a half. That's insane. And, uh, you know, I'm hoping to check out the, the Sixers nets tilt tonight and hopefully they keep. Yeah. Rolling. There's just breaking um, news coming in right now. It's, it looks like the Kyrie Irving is out tonight versus Sixers. Apparently it is for personal reasons. So. That kind of sucks as well because you're not going to get the Nets at full strength, and nothing, you know, makes me happier when the Sixers beat Kyrie Irving because I can't stand that guy. He's one of my most villainous characters in the NBA. He just is. Jump on your Fanduel account and throw some loot on the set. That's right. The point spread was minus one and a half. I don't know what it is. That's a great call right now. It might be. It might be at four or five now. You better get on your phone. Oh yeah, better load up before the draft before Vegas gets wind. Um, All right, to the six or to the birds. Yeah. Um, The miserable campaign is over. Four eleven and one. The final record. You and I were last on before the Dallas game. I really thought going in they were going to blow the doors off Dallas. They get up all week. I just felt so good about that game. They go up 14-3, and I'm already like, Jalen Hurts is going to win a playoff game. It's going to happen, and Carson Wentz can be on the sidelines watching another playoff win, uh, and wouldn't that just be painful for, for 11? Uh, it didn't work out. Cowboys rally. They beat the brakes off of them, essentially. Uh, and then the Redskins game, the Washington football team game was obviously they weren't trying to win. A lot to digest here. Um, my reaction to the last two games is certainly disappointing. It's probably best for the franchise, but again, disappointing. I had to keep trying to tell myself that it was the right thing. You and I caught the second half of the of week 17, the Washington game together. You know me. You were there. I was, I was rooting for them to win. You were rooting for them not to win. Uh, so that was kind of classic, but uh, just disappointing. Sloppy football. This team never got better in any area, in my opinion. And and that is maybe the most disappointing thing for me. Um, You know, and I'll phrase it to you. Uh, Where did this team get better at any point in the season? Um, Exactly. (laughs) Well, I I would say the team as a whole didn't get better, Joe. But I will say yes, there are some players that got better during the season. I agree. And I got some of them. Yeah. All right, I'll give you a sure. Um, You know, Jalen Mills gets beat up in this town a lot. That guy played every position out there. I saw a snap count at one point from slot corner to outside corner to safety to down the box linebacker. He sort of was Malcolm Jenkins-esque in that regard, um, the versatility. I think they bring him back. Hopefully they do. 
he's about one of the only one of the 10 unrestricted free agents I think I'd like to see back. The young offensive line, Nate Herbick, did not allow a single pressure um, in that game against the Cowboys. And he played well against Washington. Jack Driscoll, when he was in, you know, he might not be a starter next year, but he'll, you know you can bring him off the bench. Jordan Mailata, we talked about a ton. Unbelievable progress for a guy that just started playing football. So I think the young linemen are what I'm most excited about. You might not have to go into this draft and this offseason focusing on the offensive line as much as we thought, pending you are medically, you know, your doctors and everybody, they feel Brandon Brooks and Lane Johnson are okay. Um, Andre Dillard, okay. I think you have a lot of pieces there. Now, the big question will be Jason Kelsey. I'm sure we'll get there at some point. If he retires, you got to fill that center hole, and, and that could be difficult. But I think the offensive line, the experience those young guys got, and the progress they made. Again, Jeff Stoutland continues to impress, man. That guy works with chicken you-know-what some nights, some Sundays, and the line, for the most part, seems to get better as time moves on. Um, but other than that, there wasn't a lot you know, that I was very proud of from this football team. And it was, uh, it was a deflating year. It was a, a misery-filled year. What was it? One back-to-back set of wins against the Giants and the Cowboys, and it wasn't even pretty going into that bye. Other than that, you know, there wasn't much. And it was certainly disappointing. Probably the worst year in, like, 20, as far as Eagles fans go. Like, you know, going back to maybe a coat-tight year or – um, the last year with Andy Reid, I mean, just and it, we were fortunate not to have a, a just a, a piss poor year like this one 4 11 and won the final record, and just absolutely disgusting for most of the season. Um, the tanking strategy, Johnny Mita, uh, any reaction you have from those last two games, and then what'd you make of how week 17 played out? Well, I mean, you know, for everyone, you know, they're calling for investigate. I mean, give me a break with this crap, okay? Yeah. Let's call for a forensic investigation of, of, of the tanking. Like, are you kidding me? Players sit players sit a lot when when that last game is meaningless. That's why fantasy football and gambling ends in week 16 and not week 17, by the way. And for everyone to be pissed off, oh, they, they did the disservice to the game. Um, Joe Judge came out. Shut up, okay? Here's my deal. Win more football games, okay? You shouldn't be relying on a four-win team, okay, for your playoff hopes, okay? So let's just throw that out there, okay? All right? I I get it. Okay, we didn't win the game. It's a disgrace. But I'll tell you what. I don't care what anyone says, okay? The sixth pick is better than the ninth pick. I don't care who you are. Do you know why that is? It's simple math, people. Okay, because if we're picking at three more slots ahead and we're in the ninth slot, that means that gives Howie three more chances to screw the damn pickup. So I'm on totally on board with I'm not disgraced, uh, the integrity of the game for him to pull out. I mean, people, you know, he did make reference earlier in the week. Doug Peterson did make reference that, that Nate Subfeld would get in the game. Should he probably zip them in at halftime? Absolutely. But let's not go to the fact yep. that Jalen Hurts, it wasn't exactly setting the world on fire, you know? And this is, they were playing against a football team that was in a must situation. And I'm glad the Redskins won the division. I'm glad the Giants didn't win the division because I like Ron Rivera. I don't care for the Giants and I hate the stinking Cowboys. So, Anybody wants to get all up in arms, say, give me a break, okay? The NFL, what, they investigated the Patriots? How did any of that crap turn out? 
I'm so sick of the national media. They all come on. Yeah, yeah, this is this, this, the integrity of the game. Just shut up. Seriously. Good stuff, man. I love the passion. Uh, I mean, but you're, I mean, you're, it's just no, sick hang of on it. a second. Hang on a second. One of your most respected sure. players in Eagles history, maybe your favorite, Seth Joyner, felt very differently from a player's perspective. I know you read or sure. listened to his in game, you know, his post game comments. He was floored. He had never seen anything like it in football. Uh, you'd like him to be part of the coaching staff someday. Sure. They, they just didn't handle it well, John Mita. They didn't. They should have been. They should have come out from Wednesday and said, "Here's the deal. Jalen's going to start this week. Nate's going to get some time. Period." Yes. And then if they don't play Nate Sudfeld, they don't have to play Nate Sudfeld. I I agree. But who's to say? Like, first of all, they can't listen. And Al Morgani said it today on WIP when I was tuned in for a bit. They didn't even get this right. Like, this was the epitome of this football team. They couldn't even get tanking the last game without coming under fire because they're just dysfunctional. They're dysfunctional every level on every level. And it's embarrassing. Their head coach is a puppet. Peterson, the puppet, forget poopy Peterson. I've moved on. It's now Peterson, the puppet. I mean, he literally has no power, no say he gets caught with his pants down more than Robert Kraft. And it's just embarrassing. It's embarrassing for the, for the city of Philadelphia, the fans of this town, the players, you tell me this, John Mita, as a player, I was saying this as I walked out the other night, you know, when the game wrapped up. I mean, you probably weren't even listening at that point because you're probably halfway to your vehicle to get the hell home. How can you trust this organization as a player now moving forward? I mean, I feel like Jalen Hurts was done dirty. Did they tell Jalen Hurts he was coming out of the game? No. Did he and- know he was going to get pulled? Like, what is that? So, uh- ha- ha- as a player or as a former player in Seth Joyner, if you look at it, put on their glasses, their shoes, do you see this differently? Well, I mean, you see it if, if again, I, I get it, but how many how many teams go really go into that week? They literally have nothing to play for. Do you really see guys landing on the line all the time like that? They don't. I don't care what anyone says. As much as I respect Seth Joyner as a player, as an analyst, he calls it, he's real with it. I get it. But there's been countless times. Look at some teams that had nothing. All these teams that had nothing to play for in the last week. I mean, really? Did you think that they were really trying? Here's the other thing, right? Let's just say this. Let's take, for example, what if Jalen Hurts blows his knee out, okay, or he has some decimating injury in the last game of the season, which is meaningless. You're now going into a QB controversy, and now you don't know if one person's going to be healthy. Well, great. Then it makes it easier. Then Carson Wentz comes back in the fold. But you don't know. What if you got – here's the other deal. Let's look at the roster at the start of the game. They had like 12 guys that weren't even playing, Joe. So I did don't... really anybody expect them to give this valiant effort that they were just going to rise to the gates and, and just secure this last-stick victory? I mean, if anybody thinks that, you know, I'd love to sample some of what they're smoking. You know, John bring Mita, it, send it leading, down. They were leading into the final seconds of halftime. So, yes, they were playing to lose the game with the lineup they dressed, but then they found themselves winning it. And then they're down three points when they pull their quote-unquote starter. Like, they just butchered the whole thing. That's my point. And if I'm a player in that locker room and either I didn't know because I'm under a rock or I missed the Zoom meeting or, you know, whatever the situation is, like, like, just be transparent. Yeah. Well, you, you know, know what? At that, least that, that be is... transparent in the locker room. You don't I, have to I, tell the media or the fans yeah. if you don't want to. You don't have to tell the NFL or your opponent. But tell the 53 guys that are taking the field, here's the deal. 
Yeah, the I, owner I, has said this, or Nate deserves this, or the GM thinks we're going to screw up the ninth pick. We need the sixth pick. Just be honest with them. This is supposed to be Doug Peterson's. This is supposed to be his calling card. You know, aligning with the players, being a players coach, being a guy they can trust, being a guy that gets it, that gives them time off, that's honest with them, that's friendly, that's their guy. It doesn't seem like that's the case anymore. Yeah, and and, and that's yeah. a concern because he's coming back. Oh, God, well. I agree with you. You know, the the word that you just released is probably a word that's going to go down in infamy in the next year, in transparency. That is a wonderful word. Just just, just tell us like it is. I agree with you. The communication ties regarding this football team, when you also brought up the word dysfunction, it's ridiculous. We heard rumors of Jeffrey Lurie has said in pro person. What the hell does Jeffrey Lurie know about picking a – I, I want to curse so bad, but I won't. And well, what does he know about picking a draft pick? Okay. There was whispers of how he's talking about who dresses, who doesn't dress. No, Travis, Travis Fulgham, for God's sake, he's leading the team in receiving yards. He's only played. Then all of a sudden, he disappears like Casper the friendly ghost. Why isn't he playing? Because Alshon Jeffries making $18 million a year. I mean, again, transparency is monumental. It seems like. You know, Miles Sanders came out and said that he didn't understand what was going on. And I agree. They just got to be do better. Usually I thought Doug was a better communicator. And like you said before, man, he's a puppet. Who, who knows who's pulling the strings here? And again, right. and that's why owner, listen, a couple weeks ago, I called for a clean overhaul, a house cleaning. I want a new GM. I want a new coaching staff. I want everyone out, and let's start fresh. And here we go. Yeah. It seems like the old boys network getting together. We fire it a is. couple of assistants. And listen, and listen, Jeffrey Lurie is going to be on thin ice in this city. Uh, you look at the Phillies ownership and how quickly things changed yeah. on John Middleton from, quote-unquote, we're going to spend stupid money to literally everybody in Philadelphia would like him to sell the franchise. And it's not going to be far. Uh, it's not going to be long before that happens to Jeffrey Lurie, Super Bowl in 2017 or not. I mean, that is the reality of the situation. This is the fan base in a town that we can forget very quickly what you've done. And Lurie seems involved. Uh, he seems like he's got relationships that maybe he's too loyal with, players, coaches, GMs, etc. And there's so – think about all the rumors – Okay, all the leaks that came out with this bad football team. That's how you know you're a bad football team. I said earlier in the year, when you don't get calls, yeah. when you can't get out of your own way, that, that, those are marked. Like, that, that, that's the making of a bad football team. You know what else is the making of a bad football team? Rumors, leaks from the locker room, from national reporters, from the owner didn't come to the game in Cleveland, to you know who's in, who's out, who's playing. Uh, does the quarterback want in or out? Like, just so many reports that were just damning on the organization. So that just kept them in the news cycle on ESPN nonstop. It's embarrassing. You want to be a well-run organization. When was the last time the Patriots had 10 leaked reports in a single season? Never. Never. Okay? Never. Unless it's Spygate, in which case the whole organization was, you know, or, or Deflategate. I mean, but those are essentially end-of-the-season allegations, right? This isn't in-the-season turmoil. So it's just – it was bad. All, all around bad dysfunction. It just reeks of not a good situation, not good management, not good leadership, and it starts at the top. And I'm telling you right now, Jeffrey Lurie is on my list, my watch list. 
Because if this continues, if we continue to get mediocre play, shoddy draft picks, uh, you know, coaches that stick around too long, players that stick around too long, the only common denominator at the end of the day is going to be the owner. And at some point, the city's going to start pointing fingers. Now, the problem is you can't fire the owner, right? He's got to sell the team or die. So <laughs> I don't know what we're going to do about it. But I'm just – I'm frustrated right now. And to me, a lot of it has – you know, you got to look in that mirror, Jeffrey Lurie, because you put these pieces in place, and it ain't working out the last couple of years. Yeah, I mean, it's – I mean, let's let's talk about some changes too. Um, yeah, there's a yeah. couple changes. What'd you make? Yeah, well, morning, morning, wake. See you and, later. And the post the postseason press conferences too, which were just you know terrible. Just yeah, terrible. I mean, I mean uh, um, they just leave them out there like wounded dogs. Yeah, I mean, it, take it's, all these questions. So Marty Marty goes by the wayside. He's let go. Okay, apparently. Gangarello. Yeah, see you later. Okay, when when's Press Taylor getting his walking papers? Because we need a quarterback coach that, uh, you know, makes a difference. So I'd like to see him on that list. And the bottom line yep. is this, like, okay, so if they're going to keep Doug Peterson, okay, I get it. All right, let the guy go out and hire a defensive coordinator. Now, I don't know who that person is, but at least let him hire somebody that, that he can work with, okay? Because people that don't know this, and I've said it before, Howie Roseman hired Jim Schwartz before he hired Doug Peterson. I think that's how it went. So you should be able to and and the another guy like Jim Caldwell. Okay, I think he'd be a great offensive coordinator. He's worked with a ton of people. He has the respect of the players, but the play calling duties have to be taken. In. Just just Doug's just not a play caller. Okay, he's just not. I mean, I wouldn't mind if if they gave the full reins to Deuce Staley, but. We got to see that, okay? We don't need 13 different p- cooks in the kitchen. Okay, we don't need a passing game strategist, a, a run game coordinator, um, who's going to get the water bottles out in the fourth quarter. Like, we don't need all of that, okay? Let's just dumb down the si- system. Let's, you know, everyone's heard the cliche term, keep it simple, stupid. Well, that's what we need here. But I think we need a guy with some – I mean, look at how well Frank Reich, like Jim Caldwell, he's been a head coach in this league before. So, you know, he would be, get my nod at offensive coordinator and has done some good things with quarterbacks. So if Doug's staying on board, take the play calling duties, get a real offensive coordinator in here, get an aggressive defensive coordinator in here, and, um, you know, let's let's pray for the best and hope things change. But, again, this is like me ramming my head against the wall and Sandy, we're going to do this for another full year. Everyone's going to chalk this, uh, chalk this up to COVID just a strange year. Nothing went right. Bah, 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 bah. Okay. But again, I, I mean, I'm in favor of some of the changes they made, but I, I just don't know if it's going to be enough. How much stock do you put into that missed OTAs and practice time? Because Peterson stressed it in his press conference. I think it was after the Dallas game. Um, and he said everybody's in the same boat, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, he talked about how they couldn't put the fundamentals in place. And then how he said after the season ended that they kind of adjusted their their offseason plan. They didn't go as young as maybe they would have because they wanted to bring in older guys because there wasn't going to be that offseason program. So I think they felt more comfortable adding veteran guys and younger guys in free agency uh, to, to fill in his stop gaps. And obviously that backfired. Uh, here's here's where I think about that, all right? So that's the case, right? And I, I told you all year, this team doesn't look like they practice. I said it a, a thousand goddamn times. 
they never got any better because they're not practicing. And, and, but you know, every team was in that boat essentially. So to me, that falls then on the GM because that means your talent and your depth stink. Because if you're not improving the young guys because you're going to chalk it up to all this lost practice time and no offseason, then you better have a goddamn good roster to bail you out. And they didn't have that. No, no, they, they didn't. And look at their second half points the last four weeks. Okay. You want to, this is an indictment on the coaching staff. Talk about not improving. The last four weeks, seven points, six points, and goose eggs in the last two games for second half points for your Philadelphia Eagles. A touchdown, six points, and nothing to show for their last two second halves. So over four weeks, you scored 13 combined second half points. That's embarrassing. Yeah. I mean, I the whole end of the season was embarrassing. But at least they lost the final game. They, they didn't do it the right way, but they found that a way to get that done. And we got to – All right, Johnny, I, mean, one, I, got, I got one more question for you on the oh, Bergs. Did you have something you wanted to add before that? No. I mean, no. Go ahead. Give okay. me your question. Sorry. All right. And we didn't really talk about mm-hmm. this. But if, if, you, if you look at – really, this is, a, this is a general question for Philadelphia, to be honest. And hopefully we don't go down the rabbit hole too far here. But Philadelphia has been chewing up and spinning out athletes for years from Mike Schmidt, you know, name your athlete. But lately we've seen a lot of it with young players. They either go elsewhere and flourish or a change of scenery and they flourish. That happens in every city, right? You have a guy leave, all of a sudden he's a star. It happens. But I really feel like the city of Philadelphia is beating up some of these young players with high expectations. And you could probably argue that Arthega Whiteside, that Wentz, that Rager, three guys on this team alone. Brandon Graham had a chance to be in that boat, and he worked his way through it. You put any stock in this city being too hard on its athletes, and I guess we could just look at specifically the Eagles for this moment as being a reason why some players here that should have success or you would think have success don't have success. Say that one more time. Like, so the city. Yeah. The, the, the fan base, social right. media, is is it a real reason why some players we expect more of never pan out? You mean, does it have an – like, is it so hard to play in the city as far as, like, the yeah, pressure exactly. and the fan base? Yeah. So look at Nelson Aguilar. Yeah. Right? Now, we knew he needed a change right. of scenery. Or look at J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, sure. who couldn't get on the field for three quarters sure. of the season. Or Jalen Reger. Or, you know, I mean, go down the list, dude. Yeah. Uh, every sport. Well, I mean, and this is going to sound like a total cop-out answer, but I would say it's 50-50. I would say you need to be tough-minded to play in this city. There is no question about it. You know, the fans are going to have your back. They're going to be loyal to you if you put it all out there, if you play hard. The other thing they'll have your back is, is if you come out and admit it, if you screwed up. Like, I lost that game for our football team. Similar to what Alshon Jeffrey, right? When he dropped the pass against the yep. Saints and came out and was devastated and showed his emotion, and, you know, there was that little kid that wrote him a letter, like, you're still a favorite player of mine. And, like, if you can do that. See, that's one of the hardest things why Donovan McNabb is never, will never be accepted in the city is because it was always everyone else's fault. Right. When they lose the playoff game in Dallas, it was, 
Well, you know, kind of the young receivers. It wasn't that I was zipping the balls into the AstroTurf, okay? That, there was none of that right. going on yep. or missing wide open guys. So, yes, it's a little bit of both. Some guys need to change her. Here's the other thing. Maybe it comes down to the development and the coaching staff, getting the right people in here, okay, that have that, that intestinal fortitude to play in this city. You know, case in point, a guy like Andre Dillard, like, First of all, they didn't even they didn't even interview him at the combine, okay? And they didn't even bring him in for a workout in the building. Yet you're gonna move up five slots from number 23, make a trade with the Texans, the 18, and draft a guy that you know nothing about. I mean, that's just negligence. That's just flat out stupidity. And now they're saying there was all these questions coming to train camp. We don't know if he has it. We don't know if he's mentally tough. You know, they had to switch him from the right side to the left side. He's like, you know, it's like writing with a different hand. Like, come on now. So, I mean, I don't know if I summed up anything that you asked me. You did. I actually, you you handled it very well, considering, again, we didn't Yeah, like, I, I just, I think some it. guys have. It's it. just been something. Yeah. It's been on my mind. It's something that's been on my mind, and I, I don't want the city to change. I'm not yeah. going to change. Like I said, you know, in our open, like, Philadelphia fans, we boo. Yeah. That's what we do. If you can't handle it, you know, find somewhere and else we'll, to play. Yeah, but, we'll, there could be a reality here that this city and social media in particular, which wasn't around 15, 20 years ago, so guys didn't have to deal with it. It's, you know, you read the paper or you listen to sports radio or you could hide from it. You can't hide from it no. now. And today's athlete has to be different. They got to be stronger. They got to they gotta be able to take it. You can't be getting in Twitter fights with fans. I mean, that what good is that yeah. to you? And you got to be able to just know, trust, you know, trust in yourself, work hard. And if you lay it on the line, like you said, or own up when you screw up, we'll embrace you. And, Plain and simple. But I just some guys just that's don't it. And to like, get it. And like you know, and like like Jalen Rieger. Listen, man, it's not this kid's fault that, that the Eagles selected him over you know Justin Jefferson. Okay, right. that's not his fault. But they're going to be linked in the for for forever. Decade. So what Jalen Rieger needs to do is next year come out and ball out. Okay, he needs to number one right. work on his route running. Because I'm looking at his route running, and it is horrendous. So, again, again, is that the development? Is that the coaching staff's fault? Yeah, it's probably a little bit of both, right? It, it's being sharper. It get, I do give him a bit of a pass, and I'll, I'll, I'll give all the rookies a pass. Because this was a year like any other. Like, you're not having the training camp reps, right? The four preseason games is as painful as it is to watch as a fan that we all are. Like, those last couple games are painful. However, they're imperative and they're so important for the growth of football players, for the growth of the rookies to kind of get up to what is NFL speed like as opposed to college speed. You know, when you're coming from the Big 12 to the NFL, it's a big difference. You know, the closest league is the SEC. SEC to NFL, I think you're much more adept to, to performing at a higher level. Going from that type of college football, that type of comp level of competition going into the NFL. So. Yep. And probably better coaching. And yes. 100. You know, better competition. Exactly. Yeah. So good exactly. stuff. Uh, are we going to get to right. – are uh, we going to – all right. Again, I know you said that no, real quick. Okay. So just to throw it out there and I'll have a huge draft analysis coming up for everything. You know me. I'm going to get geeked up and yeah. into it. Oh, yeah, but that's right. We did what you said before, yep. you said with the number six overall pick, who do you take? Okay. Devontae Smith, yep. he yeah. won the Heisman. He reminds me of Marvin Harrison. So – I think there's three picks here, people. Three picks, okay? It's either Devontae Smith, 
from Alabama, wide receiver. Okay, it's either Jamar Chase, wide receiver from LSU. And if both those guys are gone because their stock just shoots up through the roof, we do know that a couple quarterbacks will definitely be taking in the top five. And um, so when that happens, and then number six, if both those guys are taken, then give me the cornerback, the shutdown cornerback from, from Alabama, Patrick Sertan Jr., I'll take him. So those are the three guys on my board. If all three of those guys are off the board, by the time we pick at six, then the fallout plan is middle linebacker, Penn State University, Michael Parsons. So. I love it. I'm not going to argue with any of that. we got plenty of time to draft. I'm glad you you remembered about that piece because I did want to get your take there. So you heard it here <laughs> first, folks. Brother of Love Podcast, Johnny Mita, draft guru, at BL Podcast on Twitter. you got two wide receivers in Smith or Chase or – Sertan Jr., the uh, the cornerback from Alabama, love it. Um, trade out, maybe and it, if those right. three and guys again, aren't there, but there's no way one listen, of those three guys is going to be there because a couple it, quarterbacks exactly. And my whole thing is this: I know you, you, you and, and the Sewell kid, the offensive line, right? And I consider him likely. as well and, if he's there. Um, again, right? I get it. Oh, why do you take another wide receiver? We don't need to take another. Well, you know, we do need to take a wide receiver because if anybody looks at our depth chart. You know, there wasn't, you know, everyone thought Travis Fogum, you know, and again, I think he could be a good player with more reps and more time, but we need that flat out difference maker. And when you pick yep. this high, you can get that guy. So there's two choices there. And I think both are going to flourish at the NFL level. And I don't think you can screw it up. So you got to take one of those two guys. I love it. Um, man. If the quarterback factory drafts a quarterback, you will? Um, slip my wrist, set my TV on fire, <laughs> uh, all the above, take a swan dive into which, a river with no first? water. I mean. I, I, which first, the TV on fire? No, or? I mean, I'll probably save my TV. I'd probably I'd rather, you know, I'll just slip my wrist, make a tourniquet, bleed out, and then hit my TV with a bat. Now, listen, I'm not advocating. All right, we don't want to get kicked off the airways right now. I'm not saying that, but. <laughs> And I'm not this, laughing right, at it internally. Disappointment would be at an all time. If it, this year wasn't so whatever, I love the curse, but enough <laughs> that would really drive me through the roof. Sorry. All right. Uh, let's, Sorry. let's let's switch gears. Your super your Super Bowl sure, prediction. Super Bowl prediction. You know, I'm gonna go with a Chris Berman boomer prediction. Okay. No one circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Nice. I'm going to take the Buffalo Bills versus the Green Bay Packers in the Super Bowl. And I'm going with the Buffalo Bills, man. I'm very enamored by this football team. I think Sean McDermott's great. He's done a great job. I think their general manager has done a solid job. Uh, their offense is running on all cylinders. Um, they have a decent defense. They have a great secondary. Um I'm, I'm going to go with the Buffalo Bills. Uh, I know Kansas City is, is the pick. It is so hard to repeat. Again, if anyone yes. can do it, they can. However, we all know sometimes Andy has a little hiccups here and there. But for some reason, the Buffalo Bills are kind of giving me that that feeling like the 2017 Birds did. And I, I don't know. It looks like they love playing with for one. The other thing is, too, people, like, as much as home field advantage in the playoffs always comes, it becomes a huge factor when, when you're breaking this type of stuff down. Let's keep it fact, you know, sometimes you can't have fans in the stands. So I don't know how much that home field will make a difference. But 
That's my prediction. Great point. And I feel you on the Bills train, man. It, it feels like they have that Eagles swagger. Um, they beat the, they've been beating the brakes off of teams. They've put up 40 points a week the last few weeks. The only thing uh, – they, they were going to be my pick, John. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I, I was kind of leaning Bills Packers just like you. We didn't even talk about this beforehand. The one thing that scares me is that wild card yeah. matchup because I felt like the Indianapolis yeah. Colts, you know, they That's could beat true. anybody. I, I, I agree. I agree. They can run the ball. They've got great coaching. Their defense is good. I mean, and again, no fans in Buffalo. It's going to be cold. Phillip Rivers will be tested. But if he delivers, if Rivers has a day, you know, that's the only thing that scares me about the Bills. Um, great point on the Chiefs. You know, it is hard to repeat. Look at the Patriots the last three or four times they were in. They they couldn't get done. You know, they couldn't pull off the repeat. Um, give us a sleeper. Um, a sleeper in the AFC? Yep, one in each. Hmm. I mean, I mean, I like your pick, the Colts, because, again, they have a very experienced quarterback. Uh, we all know that Frank Reich, I mean, they, they, they got pretty far last year. They, you know, they took Kansas City to the brink. Um, so they're a sleeper. As far as the NFC goes, um, I, I, mean, I mean, can you say Seattle's a sleeper? Um, offensively, they can throw it up. Their defense isn't fantastic, but I, I guess I would go Indianapolis and Seattle. I don't really see the NFC. I think it really comes down to three teams. You know, it's Green Bay, Seattle, or New Orleans. I don't I don't really see. Or, I mean, you know, Tampa. But, yep. are, again, That's are they a sleeper? Yeah. Uh, again, do they have the ability and the talent to make the noise? Absolutely. So, yeah. I, th- yeah. I think it's going to be an interesting playoff. You have the yeah, Maybe it's teams. Tampa versus Buffalo in Tampa, which would be crazy. You have the additional team in there on each side this year, so just the one bye. Right. Otherwise, the Bills would have off, you know, this week. So that's, you know, they got to play that extra game now because of the new rules. Um, so I'll just add this. Uh, yeah. Green Bay's loss of David Bakhtiari scares me a little bit. That's he is a huge part huge. of that offensive line. Very good They ball. can't. They have to outscore teams, and that's why I haven't been on the Green Bay train much all year long, but Rodgers is obviously playing lights out. So I will lean your way, Bills Packers, as I think the most realistic uh, Super Bowl. But I will also throw the Baltimore Ravens in there as a team that this year does not not have the high expectations, the MVP season from Lamar Jackson. And the pressure. I don't know that – yeah, I don't know he can win the Super Bowl. I don't know he's that good, but he's that X factor. Uh, so I'll, I'll take the Ravens as sort of my sleeper team from the AFC, and I and I like your nod to the Bucks on the on the other side. Again, anytime you have Tom Brady, you're giving yourself a chance. Uh, a chance. So, um, yeah, let's let's go with uh, let, let's go with the BL podcast official prediction. I hate to be on the same page with you on this, but let's go Bills Packers as the stamp of approval for the Brotherly Love podcast. I would have said the Rams, but the golf injury and the way they limped into the playoffs. Yeah, I don't like it, but I, they can run the ball, and I think their defense is as good as anybody because Jalen Ramsey locks it down. So I really did yeah. like the Rams up until you know Goff breaks his thumb. Right. What's his status? I mean, he's going to play, I would think, but how good can he be? So that that's certainly a big question mark for them. All right, Johnny Mita, Flyers start in a week. They play the Penguins. Hopefully, we can knock out a podcast before then uh, and get in a bit more of a Flyers prediction. But the onus, again, is to win games early because it's a shortened season and all divisional games. Uh, But hopefully break down the Flyers a lot more in depth 
on our next episode of the Brother Love Podcast. Uh, I have one on the fly for you if you're ready. All right. Give it which, to situ- which situation is better in the NFL, the Eagles or the Texans? Now, the Texans don't have a first-rounder. They don't have a coach or a GM, but they have Deshaun Watson, a QB, or the Eagles, who are in cap hell, a quarterback mess, but a first-round pick. Which, which team is in a better situation, Eagles or Texans? Well, they did hire GM. They hired Nick Cassero from the um, New England Patriots, the Texans. When did um, they do that? Uh, yesterday. But oh, apparently Deshaun Watson's hot about it. And well, and now he, I read he might want out. <laughs> and then he might want out. So yeah. it's a great notes, question. Um, like a week ago. I mean, man. if Deshaun Watson's there, you want a team with no first round pick oh. and a and a franchise quarterback, coach to be determined, or a team with now it looks like a coach and a GM that'll be under but again, of, uh, it's like who, who the coach is. Um, that this is a hell of a question, man. I, again, I'm maybe I go to the Texans just because the stability of the quarterback right now. I mean, right. he played with, I mean, his garbage, receiving hot court garbage, and still had a tremendous season. And at the yep. end of the season, JJ Watt, you can hear it on NFL Films, walks up to him and said it. He apologizes and says he's sorry for wasting one of his seasons. And so. Yeah, that, that is a great on the fly. All right, what do you got for me? All right, who is going to be the flyer, the Philadelphia Flyer this year that is going to surprise most people? Oscar Lindblom. Okay, love it. He is getting top-line minutes in the scrimmage. Um, I just saw the lines yesterday. They look well-balanced. I'm excited. Oscar Lindblom is going to have what you would consider an all-star season, even though there won't be an all-star game. Uh, that's how I'd answer that question. I love it. And big test again, Nolan Patrick, man. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. We'll see if he plays. Yeah. I, I Again, from what I've heard, there are no insurances he plays, but he was in the scrimmage yesterday, apparently got hit hard at one point. He got up and he finished the scrimmage, and that's going to be a huge test for him uh, with the concussion issues and the migraines. Uh, one last thing for me, F. Jalen Smith. And by F, I mean add your three letters afterwards. It would make it – a, uh, a word we won't use on the Brother Love podcast, but the Cowboys linebacker for that dirty helmet-to-helmet hit on Jordan Mailata, the game of concussion, forced, forced Mailata to, to miss Week 17. If you didn't see it, look it up. Mailata was ragdolling him all over the field throughout that Week 16 matchup, and there was a time where Mailata was coming out to the second level on the right side of the offensive line, pulling up, looking for a block, and for no reason, Jalen Smith launched. He literally leans up onto his tippy toe. So he's getting leverage on his feet, basically leaving his feet to extend his helmet into my lotus helmet. He didn't finish the game out of the concussion. Yeah, and Jalen Smith. And the NFL could have fined him. And, and you know, the guy in charge is one of the dirtiest players of all time, one of our beloved Philadelphia Eagles, John Runyon. Come on, Johnny. All right. Yeah. You should do a better yeah. job. And, and, Jalen Smith is a and, punk. And Jadavion Clowney should have got fined for that nasty blow last year, and he didn't. Amen. So, Amen. Screw him. All right, Johnny, made a great stuff, brother. You got the it. NFL playoffs well done. And, uh, another breaking news. Seth Curry is out with ankle soreness tonight. So check your betting Uh-oh. lines, and you might want to double down again. But, I mean, that might mean that Tyrese Maxey gets some extended minutes, and I think that'll mean that Shake Milton will probably most likely get the start tonight. So. I love it. Great stuff as always, brother. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Did want to say a uh, shout-out uh, to any of those that listen in the uh, the Hampshire, Anderson, Curtis, that whole that whole crew, that whole family. 
the in-laws and extended in-laws of yours truly as uh, Chuck Hampshire uh, Sr. passed away in the early morning hours. Uncle Chuck, the uh, legacy he leaves behind, massive um, with the Great American Pubs and 16 grandchildren and just a great family man, uh, a leader of that clan in a lot of ways. And um, so yeah. our thoughts are with uh, Charles W. Hampshire Sr. <laughs> passing away at uh, – uh, gosh, 84, 85 years old, just had his birthday, uh, January 6th and unfortunately passed away early morning, January 7th. So, uh, thoughts and prayers with that family, that crew, great man, great family, man, love getting to know him. And, uh, yeah, I'm really awesome glad you brought kids. that up too, Joe, because, you know, again, you know, it's a man that, that I've known for years, Ever. forever. And, um, you know, my beloved wife got to know him extremely well and uh, yes. was just spoke the world of him. And that man helped so many people out. was just a pleasure to talk to just a g- real genuine human being. And when you have that, you know, somebody special. And obviously during these torrid and terrible times, you know, with, you know, being able to celebrate one's life, um, it's going to be a shame that, that he can't get the send off that, that, that he should get because he was just so instrumental and doing so many things for so many people and just being a, just a, just a tremendous human being. So, you know, thoughts and prayers with everyone in the family. And I've reached out to some people today via text message, but uh, thoughts and prayers with everyone there. And, and what just, what a, what a great man. And he will be missed by everyone. Well said brother leaves behind uh, an empire of sorts, a legacy for sure. Yeah, that right. And, uh, All right, man. Well, that'll do it for this edition of the Brotherly Love Podcast for John Mita, Joe O'Donnell. I'd say go Birds, but screw them. And uh, hopefully Sixers and Flyers keep rolling, and maybe the Phillies will figure it out and do some in the meantime. We'll be back in a week or so. Uh, Until next time, appreciate all the love and support. We'll see you.